Hey, Jasmine here, and before we start the show, I just wanted to say that the views and opinions expressed by my guests do not reflect that of the Girl Guides of Canada. To get more direct info, visit www.girlguides.ca. Okay, on with the show. From Frey Productions, it's the local creators. Conversations about creativity, leadership, and business with some of Chilliwack's great female leaders, entrepreneurs, and creatives. I'm Jasmine Humphrey, and on the show today, it is my great pleasure to introduce Pat Morant and Wendy Sigerty, two phenomenal guide leaders that I had the pleasure of working with when I was in Girl Guides. Um, and I think that's a really great thing about guiding now is that girls really feel empowered to make a change in the world, that they can make a difference and that their actions matter and their voice and opinions matter. And I think that's such an important thing for girls to learn. So what exactly is Girl Guides? Let's ask the leaders what they think. It's an organization for girls and women <laughs> that's all over the world. I think it's the largest one in the world. And it builds strength and confidence um, in girls while they have a lot of fun. Yeah, built independence and leadership. And I think there's over 10 million women and girls in it. And it's in 196 countries. Is that right? Almost all the countries. A lot, yeah. It was really interesting because I looked. Bangladesh is one of the ones that has a big uh, a girl guide um, uh, membership. Yeah, and I think I I saw ninety seven thousand across Canada alone, and yeah, ten million worldwide. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very large organization. Yeah. So it starts with Sparks, which are the five and six year olds that weren't there when you were in um, in Brownies. And now they just, last year they changed brownies to being called embers. And that's from what, seven to eight, seven and eight year olds. Great to And guides is not, yeah, um, guides is what, nine, 11, 12? Yeah. It's a three year program. Nine, 10, 11? Pathfinders is, is it? Okay. And then there's Rangers. Grade seven, eight, nine. Yeah. No, Rangers is older. Rangers is 10, Rangers 11, 12. Is yeah. Yeah. Pathfinders is grade yeah. seven, eight, nine. And then there's, is there something new called loans and treks? Loans is no. not new. Loans has been there even when I was a girl. Um, it's because there are girls sometimes that are live in isolated circumstances. Um, and in the old days, it was, uh, it was all done by mail. Things would have been sent back and forth by mail. And, uh, sometimes they connected with pen pals and stuff through, um, uh, you know, to a, to a unit that's, um, you know, that, that is sort of a live unit. And, uh, of course, now it's all, you know, high tech and it's much easier to do and to connect with other people. 
Yeah, and they always have had a leader, right? They've always had a leader, usually at a provincial level. They'd be like the provincial loans advisor. And track um, is. When did you want to talk? For, about? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I think it's older girls like Pathfinders and above, but I'm not sure. And they would not meet regularly to complete program, is my understanding. But they would plan an event or an activity and then do it. So it's more focused around um, like a trip or something is my understanding of track. Yeah. And sort of adventurous things like, yeah. like you say, a trip or backpacking or like a long backpacking trip or something like that. And how did Girl Guides start? Um, the Crystal Palace Rally. Well, Ben Paul started scouting and, um, for boys and uh, they held a rally at Crystal Palace in London and um, there were a number of girls that wanted to join so they all got together and crashed the the rally at Crystal Palace at which point Baden-Powell decided that maybe somebody should do something for the girls and they had um, uh, his sister Agnes Baden-Powell um, started up Girl Guides um, and they later did, they didn't call them brownies to start with. I forget what they called them, but they did later start that. And Rose later buds? on, yeah, I was thinking rosebuds too. Um, the website. Then, <laughs> later on, um, uh, Baden-Powell married this much younger woman, um, Ole Baden-Powell. Like 20 years younger or something. They had a shipboard romance and they met and married and she took over as world chief guide and uh, stayed in that position um, until the 1970s i believe she died she was alive for a long time and there are people around that met her or saw her as a girl and what were the girl guides taught back then because it's my understanding that they helped out a lot during world war one yeah rolling bandages we were supposed to, for a history thing, we taught our girls how to roll bandages. <laughs> it's a very useful skill nowadays. But, yeah. um, and and sort of, uh, I think, gathering food and things like that, they did things to help with that. But originally, it was very much about outdoor stuff and the girls wanting to be, I guess it still is, um, but the girls wanted to be outdoors and doing adventurous things and uh, um, the things that their brothers did and not necessarily just, you know, learning to serve tea and embroider and things yeah. like that. When we come back, we'll talk about how the UK Girl Guides secretly worked for MI5. That's all coming up right after this break. Welcome back. You're listening to The Local Creators. So I found this article on the UK Girl Guides website and it talks about how the Girl Guides worked for MI5. It says, We not only passed on important classified information during World War I, but we also helped bring about peace through the Treaty of Versailles. The initial plan was to have scouts work at MI5 headquarters, but they were deemed too noisy. That's when they asked 90 guides to do the job. They were found to be quick, cheerful, and more than willing to step up. By 1916, the guides had become so valuable to MI5 that they were given their own company within the organization. Since they were all between the ages of 14 and 16, they had to be recommended by their guide leaders. 
They also needed written permission from both parents. Once they were accepted, they were earned 30 pence a week for their service. On an average day, they spend the first hour dusting, refilling inkwells, disinfecting phones, and repairing typewriters. They'd also post documents, deliver classified messages around London, and collect paperwork to be burned. They swore to never read any of the sensitive material that they carried. Some guides were even taken to France for the signing of the Treaty of Versailles, the peace treaty that ended World War I. They acted as special couriers for the British delegation, securing moving secret messages between all of the countries as they negotiated peace. Yeah, that's very interesting. I was sort of hoping they were spies, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess they carried secret messages. Suggest who would um, suspect that you know little girl guide in her uniform and (laughs) as I was doing some research, I came across this really interesting story that sort of reflects on uh, the one of the old guiding laws: Uh, a guide smiles and sings even under difficulty. It um, talks about this song that was created, and they had sort of touched the the roots to it um, during World War Two. Um, to a Chinese uh, concentration camp. Um, I guess there were some uh, American and UK civilians that had um, gotten captured while they were in China. And some of them um, was a, a girl guide troop. And they had um, created this song to kind of um, lift up their spirits while while they were being held um, hostage in this camp and a lot of the people write there that it was um, a lot of the positivity and, and sort of how they were able to maintain staying there was due to the the girl guides's um, sort of positive outlook and um, and sort of made it made it through that that dire period uh, of time while they were being held it was really interesting so I think that's such a great example of the old guiding law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that was always one of my favorite ones because it could get everyone cheered up at camp and, you know. Yeah. Rather than saying stop whining. <laughs> right? <laughs> they don't like that. Suck it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds, um, sounds nice. That's, that's also very interesting. The, the sort of connections with all of this historical um, things. It's interesting when um, sort of for the World Organization of Girl Guides and Girl Scouts, we were talking earlier about the different countries, how um, when Russia was under Stalin um, and and later on, I guess, until Gorbachev, until things opened up, um, they were sort of had to be secretive and they took their things and buried their, their girl guide insignias and things like that, buried them. And then um, when things opened up more, they have, they dug them up and started their organization again. Wow! And actually it's some of those iron curtain countries that actually have quite a strong following of, of guiding. So. Mm Hmm. So, I'm kind of curious. You've both been in guiding now for quite a number of years. Um, how how do you think guiding has changed the curriculum? The um, you know how how has it um, evolved over the years since since you originally started? 
Well, I would say, um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's a bigger emphasis now on girls first. So it's a girls first uh, philosophy, which means they try to involve um, the girls much more in decision making. Though in reality, I, of course, everybody's experience is different depending on their guiders because it's a volunteer organization, so it's not consistent. But um, I would have said we involved the girls a lot in decision, did we? <laughs> in decision making, you know, in the past too. But now it's that's a kind of core value of the program. In some ways, I would say it hasn't changed a lot because there's still those things about the you know, uh, going outdoors, building independence, um, you know, gaining skills, uh, showing leadership um, to the younger girls and serving your community. It's really all the same thing. It's packaged differently, mm -hmm. um, but the same values are there, I think. Mm -hmm. No, what do you think, Wendy? Um, I don't, I mean, from when I was a girl, in, in embers, brownies, I don't remember the, like the golden bar and the golden hand and all those very much. Um, like what that program was, I remember the interest badges. Um, and they have those now, so they're different, but the same kind of idea. But the core program, I don't really remember. So I couldn't say how it's changed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's very much more like, um, Guiders can pick and choose more how they want to present the program, which has its pros and cons. Like we used to have the golden hand, like for brownies, the golden hand and the golden bar, and there were set tasks you had to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Now there's these areas that have many, many ways you can approach them. So, you know, you can use any one that are on the website, there's a, like the program platform has a lot of different ways and that you can do things or you can just do your own and call it a unit's own. So you kind of cover the topics, but in whatever way you want. And like I say, that has its pros and cons. Mm -hmm. I think for people starting out, especially if they're not familiar with guiding, I think it probably makes it more difficult, mm -hmm. but once pretty overwhelming because big it seems very big mm -hmm. to kind of get a handle on at the beginning mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i can sort of see that you know where it, unless you have something for a point of reference to really understand uh, what it is like a goal, I guess you could say, that you're really trying to achieve, and are you setting that goal too low, or that bar too low, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm hmm And I think they're trying to address the sort of openness of it all to some extent, because they did uh, just come up with manuals, guider manuals for each branch, and they've now redone all of those, I think, or some of those. Again, check the website. Uh, but um, so I think they're trying to give a bit more structure so you understand. Because mm -hmm. even the traditions are now up for whatever you feel like doing. Oh. So it's hard when you're start, if you're starting off as a guider who, say, for example, was not in brownies or anything as a girl, mm -hmm. then 
you know, I mean, you don't necessarily have to do horseshoeing guides or, I mean, Embers is having its new, a new program, but last year you wouldn't necessarily have to have a toadstool or any of those kind of things in, in brownies. Mm -hmm. You can choose to do that. You can choose to do ceremonies any way you want. Mm -hmm. So I think that does make it hard if you start off unless you're with an experienced guider mm -hmm. but they are trying <laughs> i keep saying they because so much of this decision now is done at the national and provincial level and at one of those levels they are now trying to formalize some sort of mentoring program um so i think online that so like if like for example if i were to sign up now to be a a guide leader um there would be like perhaps some online training or yeah the mentoring i don't know how that's structured there is online trainings and there are now that COVID's over <laughs> are sort of over um in-person trainings as well oh okay i think it's harder to get people out to in-person trainings because more people are have both people in the family working so it's people don't have a lot of free time as much as they did when even when I was um, a leader earlier. Um, like I only worked part time, so I had more time that I could devote to things and go to weekend trainings and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But there's still definitely a training program and qualifications you're supposed to get. And sort of going back to the core, the core. Um, laws if you will that the girl guides teaches you know obviously being kind working hard you know um working together those are those are things that i don't think will, would ever change but no. um like even myself just looking at it now like under build skills money sense life stuff how to's i don't necessarily remember being taught and correct me if i'm wrong being taught a like money sense was that something that was necessarily taught sort of financial independence <laughs> i'm laughing because that's the one part of the program we didn't do with our girls <laughs> last year because <laughs> we don't have any so <laughs> um i think i don't know about money sense particularly but i think some of those how-to things were not taught in that way but they were part of like golden bar golden hand but they were very specific like mm. you know how to knit a square or how to set the table or how to braid all those kind of things right those mm. would be um would have been taught i remember i had to do how to clean the, i had to do how to clean the oven i remember that in brownies i and resenting that it's like this oven hasn't been cleaned in years. <laughs> I, think my I remember that. Say, how to clean a toilet would be uh, probably one that I need to <laughs> work on. Well, we do that at camp all the time, right? Yes. If you're in residential, uh, uh, well, either case, but you know, mm -hmm. if you're a residential, you learn how to clean a toilet. And it's interesting because the girls at first are like, oh, cleaning toilets. But then they're quite into it. It's interesting. Uh -huh. Oh, because it's different they haven't done before. And when you talk about kind of learning new skills, I think one of the most satisfying things as a leader 
Wendy and I both said this at a camp we were at last year, is seeing their little faces when they do something they've never done before. And they're so proud of it. Like this one little girl, first of all, was saying, my mother won't let me use a knife. Um, and because she would always say, my mother won't let me if she didn't want to do something. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. And we'd say, oh, it's brownies. It's different. And um, she, uh, and then she cut up carrots and she was just so excited and her eyes were beaming and she was just felt so good about herself, you know, and I think that's the, a big key thing in guiding is that independence. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think too, you, you, it might sound, oh, cutting carrots, but you, you start small, right? And from mm -hmm. there it goes on to the next thing and the next thing that's a little bit bigger. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and the thing that I thought was kind of interesting. Oh, go ahead, Wendy. Well, I was just going to say I also really love the. Um, this is maybe off topic, but I'm just thinking about the traditions, and um, I know some of those have disappeared, but there's still, you know, now I'm singing with my daughter the same songs that I sang when I was in brownies, and um, that's pretty special. Is seeing those traditions carried on through the generations. And also, what's interesting, because my friend who grew up in, in Appalachia um, knows those same songs. She was mm -hmm. in Girl Scouts there, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's really special, too. Yeah, and I think that, uh, again, that whole organization, it's like, you know, even songs like Make New Friends, you know, I think yeah. all those, sort, like you say, a lot of them, it sort of ties ties it together. Um, and I think a lot of it was, guys... oh, go ahead. It was strange during COVID because we couldn't sing. Yeah. Um, and you realized how much singing is part of the organization because it was strange even when we were actually together. I mean, we did a whole year of brownies online, which was interesting. <laughs> but when we were together, we, you couldn't sing. And yeah, and it was just really different without being able to sing. So you mentioned how Girl Guides, it's much more focused on the individual, on the girl itself. How do you encourage um, the girls to explore their own indiv individuality and um, sort of express um, at such a young age what their thoughts and opinions are on, on certain things? We had, I'm trying to remember, and this is going to be Sparks, but trying to think back because we didn't do that part of the program last year because um, it's a two-year program but we I know we had a sleepover where that was the theme right was kind oh, of yeah. loving yourself <laughs> and what did we do sort of different activities where you wrote down good things about yourself um, we made like a flower uh, where they wrote on the petal things that they could do maybe maybe yeah, we did a lot when we were doing the online stuff. We did that, and we did um, we did things oh, things about liking yourself mostly and your what you can do. Yeah, I can't remember specific activities really. Um, though, in some ways, I think the whole program does that. But there are specific activities, and you have a bunch you can choose from. 
So ask me an easier one. <laughs> <laughs> well, another thing, another thing, because another part of the program that we did spend a lot of time on last year is the one. There's a section that's your your voice, your choice, and action, and your action or take action. And um, so what that is, is the girls have to talk about what they care about, because I think this is part of their identity too. And Wendy did like this really, really good job of um, getting them to, to think about, do you want to talk about the process you went through, Wendy? Hmm. If I can remember it, they talked about what was like, so the idea was that we would, as a unit, choose an issue that they could, in which they could make a difference. So in a way that they could help in our community or in the world or something. Um, so I think they started by, or we started by brainstorming issues that they cared about, like um, homeless people or puppies with no homes or um, climate change. Uh, there was one about penguins or something too, like the Arctic, the, you know, climate change in the Arctic oh, yeah. specifically, polar bears. Uh, those were some of the ones that they came up with, right? And then... Yeah. Yeah. And then we had to um, narrow it down. So I think we um, had sort of a, a place in the gym where we were meeting for each um, area where we could help. And they had to try to convince other people to join them in that area. So the uh, O-invasive plants was one of the the areas. So they would have to say, you know, the girls in that corner would have to say, oh, you should come and stand with us here because um, there are invasive species that are killing the fish in our lake right here in our community and um, destroying the um, plants that, that our bees need to survive. And then the homeless puppy people would say, but you should come and stand with us because of all the puppies that are sad and... Um, and so forth. And they had to try to convince people until we ended up with almost everybody in one group, I think. And we did some voting I too. I think so. There might've been a couple of, so it was kind of consensus, right? Yeah. And we talked about different and ways then... of deciding too, like voting and convincing and uh, consensus versus majority. And I don't remember. And then they that. went from there. Then they had to decide on, uh, I'll just shorten this up, but they had to decide on um, what action they wanted to take. Okay, so they decided on invasive plants. And then, and so when they decided the first thing they had to do is get someone who was an expert on invasive plants. And so they could tell learn them about, about invasive plants. And then, then they would go and do something about it. So they did, we got someone to come in and... Um, talk about it and then they went and pulled up a bunch in the forest behind cultists but that's sort of a long way to get around to that has to do with their identity too even though it's not in that section though you could probably count it because you have a lot of flexibility <laughs> in what you can count um because it um 
because it really is finding out what you care about and why you care about it. Yeah. Right? What really matters. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And we spent a long time. We must have spent a good month on that at least, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, with game things in there too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But they were very pleased with themselves. They pulled up these giant piles of, of uh, invasive plants. And... Well, I think too, first, yeah, it, 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 you're, you're posing those questions and it sort of gets them to stop and think, you know, um, first of all, what, what do I really care about? Um, mm -hmm. and, and then, you know, as another part of the program advocating, you know, was it, like you said, take, take action? Is that the yeah. 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 So yeah. Your voice, your choice, take yeah. action. And that's something we would not have done. Sorry. That's not something or a way we would not have approached this when, when you guys were in brownies and guides, maybe pathfinders. Um, but it would have been more, we would have decided you were going to do fish drain marking, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, that kind of thing. And then, and we would have talked about why, and, you know, that would have been okay too. But that this, I think, is a good example of the the girls first piece. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, There's a big emphasis too in the program values on, it's in the promise and the law, take action for a better world. Um, and I think that's a really great thing about guiding now is that girls really feel empowered to make a change in the world, that they can make a difference and that their actions matter and their voice and opinions matter. And I think that's such an important thing for girls to learn. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you one other big question. <laughs> So you, you also talk about leadership and and obviously um, uh, getting those skills into the girls. Um, what is leadership? And I don't strictly necessarily mean girl guides, but what what is your idea of, of good leadership? There's all different kinds of leadership. Yeah. My don't you have a master's in this? Leadership. You yeah, I was just thinking, which form would you like to discuss? Perhaps <laughs> I should. Okay, let me rephrase it. What do you think is the most effective then, perhaps? Because, yeah, yes, there are, there are different types of leadership. What do you think is the most effective or what? I for me, think some of what we were Oh, go ahead. I was going to say for me. Um, me? Yeah. Um, for me, leadership with kids or probably with anybody, um, the kind that I like the most is where you teach people how they can achieve and create and how you sort of scaffold them into being able to do things themselves. So instead of me being in charge, um, I mean, hopefully a grown up still somewhat in charge, but you know, the girls have a lot more <laughs> over the years. Um, the girls have the skills and the confidence um, to, you know, set up a tent and to cook their own meals or to plan an event or to um, do a service project in their community. So, the guiders um, 
as the girls go through the program and age, the guiders are stepping back as the girls just gain more and more skills themselves. Hence the name guiding, right? They're guiding, yeah. they're not necessarily, yeah. Oh, yeah, I never thought about that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree, I agree. And I, I think, too, we, we have this idea of what leadership is, and it's usually, you know, sort of these type A personalities. And I think real effective leadership um, is one that recognizes that it, it isn't a, a God-given right. You are there sort of in service, right? You are there in service to, to uplift others, to create an area where everybody's voice is equal and um, that they are also looking at you for that guidance. And it's up to you to sort of supply that. Yeah. I think it is important to have a vision, yeah. to know where where you're going. I'm trying to remember that it's one book that had four pillars a while ago. It's four <laughs> pillars, but one was having a vision. Uh, one was I really like, which is kind of what you guys are talking about, which was encourage the heart. Hmm. So encouraging people, letting them see their strengths and what they can do. Hmm. And like Wendy said, kind of giving them space to move forward and um, do what they can do. Um, and what were the others? The other one was challenge challenge the system. So that's another. <laughs> so thinking, thinking can sometimes beyond what's there. Um, and I forget the last one. It's a long time ago. <laughs> but um, I've always liked the, the encourage the heart piece. Yeah. Um, because but you do need someone there with a clear vision of where you're going. And I mean, it needs to perhaps be flexible and be formed by other people and informed by other people, but there does need to be a vision or direction that you're going mm -hmm. um, as well. Yeah. Let me ask you too, because you're both also um, in the, in education, how much, um, schools do especially schools now do they also sort of touch on a lot of these things sort of um, uh, you know helping you find your voice as well or do you think like, well, I don't know it's probably been a while since you've been in it but I know Wendy but we're in it sorry your sound is sound is off again is it oh, okay no not off it's just burbling i know i can even hear it sort of yeah. reverberate in my ear yeah okay now it now it's okay though what were you saying you said pat i got that <laughs> oh i was just i was sort of curious since you both were in the education field as well do do schools also touch on this sort of in terms of allowing children to kind of use their voice to to pick and choose um, I think Wendy can I, probably, I, I don't know, I'm a bit cynical right now. Um, I think that there are aspects of wanting that to happen. Um, but in reality, I think it probably happens a lot less than um, would be nice just because of the realities of the school system. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... 
it's it's definitely a different organization with different goals, but it definitely does want to encourage kids to be creative, to think independently, um, to use their skills and gain new skills. I mean, different kinds of skills. They frown on firelighting, but um, it, it's... <laughs> It can't happen to the same degree, in my opinion, just because of the the way the school system is set up and um, is very different from guiding. Yeah. So that- One thing I noticed with schools, though, is there is a much more focus on social-emotional learning mm-hmm. um, than when I went to school or when you went to school. Certainly when yeah. I went to school, they didn't care about our social learning. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's I, true. I don't know about some of the other. Yeah, I think there's tried- more outdoors. More outdoor stuff happens. That's um, not necessarily within the curriculum. Um, they certainly, they have the core competencies throughout like from kindergarten to grade 12 that um, are more sort of those general, oh, and I'm not going to be able to speak to it because it's been a, a while. Um, hey, Kevin, yeah. what are the core competency areas? Uh, hi, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Toby, you've got to turn off this, the song. Sorry. Thank you. Um, okay. So the core competencies um, are, you can just edit all that stuff out, are these areas that kids are supposed to move through in a spectrum from kindergarten to grade 12, kind of throughout the rest of the curriculum. And there are things like critical thinking and creative thinking, personal awareness, maybe social identity, um, that kind of thing. And so those are maybe more what you're looking at in Girl Guides. Mm -hmm. Um, But mostly I forgot. One thing with Girl Guides versus schooling with leadership is teachers aren't able to have the same relationship with the kids they work with as you can in guiding. You go to camp for a weekend or a week or whatever with girls, you get to know them really well and you are a role model for them. Um, And they learn a lot from how you behave. So there's that whole kind of guiding and, and leading. And you just can't do that in a classroom. And your role is also different. A teacher is supposed to be doing something quite, quite different. It's more fun to be a guider. Yeah. <laughs> so teaching yeah. can be yeah, fun too. Say, but it's a little more, much more yeah. academic and, and structured. And these are the things you're supposed yeah. to use. But yeah. Absolutely. And that's sort of what I was trying to touch yeah. on is I, I know it's improved. It still has a long way to go. Um, but um, yeah, obviously it's much more fluid and more open. Like you say, you get a yeah. connection. And in Girl Guides, too, you have, I don't know, last year we had three leaders and 15 girls, and this year my unit's going to have six leaders and 
31 girls, I think we're at right now. So that's very different from a classroom too, in terms of what you can do. And it's also very different expectations from parents. Um, You're a volunteer there to help your kids have fun and get some skills as opposed to school where there's very different pressures and expectations. So lastly, I'll just sort of ask this, why cookies? Because that's the only fundraiser we're allowed to have. (laughs) Yep. Um, Unless you have something like a a very specific trip planned and then you can get permission to have other things. But cookies finance everything in guiding from the camps that that the girls we work with um, go to um, up to, you know, national and international events, um, paying for staff. Uh, Cookies is like the big, the big fundraiser and we do it twice a year. And uh, um, so it's very important to buy Girl Guide cookies or if you can't, don't want to eat them, then just give us a donation. (laughs) And this year we're going to have the little squares. I'll have the squares. Yeah, um, you know, for the. What is it? Your what is it? The square you can just have at the market for stuff. Oh, oh, the point of sale system. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So all those people who say we don't have any cash, sorry. Yeah. Ah, Oh, that's smart. (laughs) Yes. And actually, that I think National is absorbing the the extra cost of that because you have to pay, right? Um, so they're absorbing that so that our unit gets the whole money that we, that we're entitled to. Oh, wow. Well, that's, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody has cash anymore. So. Yeah. No, hopefully yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny what you get when you go door to door because people want to buy them. So you'll get all these like nickels and dimes and, right? and People have sort of American dollar bills. Right? Yeah. I, I, I remember going door to door and then, oh, uh, hold on. You hear this thump, 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 thump. Like they would go upstairs and then you'd hear this. Yeah. Come with this jar. Cause, you know, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Amazing. It's like, you can't turn away a girl guide. Yeah. Yeah. That's Pat Moret and her daughter, Wendy Sigurty. After the show, Pat had some thoughts she wanted to share. Taking on a leadership role in the safe space of guiding has given me the confidence to take on leadership roles in my own profession, so it promotes leadership in adults as well as children. Also, in teaching or guiding, I think that leadership is helping each girl see their capabilities and strengths and use them effectively to make the world a better place. To find out more information on guiding, visit www.girlguides.ca. This has been a presentation of Local Creators. I'm Jasmine Humphrey. Thanks for listening.